Hello, everyone. Seniors, we really did it. I hope your mimosas have been bottomless and your laughter with friends and family endless. To everybody else who just finished their semester, congratulations on getting through one of the most peculiar semesters in college history. In this episode of Inside Voices, we get to hear from our very own president, Thane McCullough. He tells us stories from his undergrad, where he gets his haircut, some of his favorite costumes he's seen in the kennel, and some advice to us, the graduating seniors. The first time I met Thane was my sophomore year at Gonzaga. I walked out of Tui on a very windy autumn day, and my hat blew off my head. I turned around to get it, but standing there with radiance and a bright smile was none other than Angelic Thane holding my hat. I am so thankful to have had this opportunity to get to know him a little better. So please, buckle up and lock it down for Gonzaga University's wonderful president. Mr. President, how are you today? I'm great, Rice. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm I'm really happy that I woke up with a lot of sunshine outside, I and know. I'm excited for this interview. Me um, too. Yeah, it's a beautiful day out there. Yeah, I want to thank you again for joining us on Inside Voices. You've seen Gonzaga in all sorts of light, and I think everyone's excited to hear what you have to say. I've compiled a list of questions from a lot of seniors that I'm, I'm close with and underclassmen, a bunch of different Zags, and they're really great questions. So I'm excited to get started. All right, well, I'll do my best to answer. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Is there anything that you wanna say before we dive, dive into the questions? Whoa. Well, um, I think maybe I would just say that uh, this has been for me as well as I'm sure many of those who who will, who will listen, um, it's been very challenging this this spring ever since spring break, um, and mostly because I have always said that at the end of the day, our university really isn't isn't anything without its people. It's it's the students. So um, it's been very difficult, and it's been very difficult in ways that. Um, that have been sometimes surprising and sometimes predictable, but I've been, I've kind of been worrying about people, honestly, and it's difficult to not be able to put eyes on people and say, okay, are you all right? You know? So, um, so anyway, I just uh, would want people to know that we've been missing them and thinking about them and hoping that, you know, through all this, we can, you know, hopefully safely and successfully make our way and, and just kind of keep our eye on the long, on the longer term. Yeah. I think we're all in a in a similar mindset and it's nice to hear that coming from coming from you because it is it is really hard and it's nice to know that you know you're thinking of us and and we know that. So thanks for sharing. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh I think we're going to start start with a difficult one of the one of the harder questions. What did okay. you, what did you eat for breakfast? 
<laughs> okay, so um, I have to have coffee every morning. Coffee is is an essential part of my my daily diet. Mm-hmm. Um, I try not to drink too much, but I have to start with coffee. And this morning, I had toast, wheat toast, and scrambled eggs. Mm. Many mornings, I have cereal. Nice. But this morning I I splurged. Good. Because I knew I would need energy for this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. No, sometimes you just gotta treat yourself. That's right. That's right. All right. <laughs> so Thane, what is a new part of your routine? A new part? Yeah. Hmm. Uh well I've not I've never spent this much time in my own house. Yeah. Ever, ever in history. <laughs> um, the job that, that I do at Gonzaga demands a lot of time, um, both at the university and also at, um, on the road. So um, the, the, the truth is, is that with, as is I'm sure the case with many, many who are listening, you know, you have to adapt to other people and you have to adapt to um, your environment in, in different ways. So I probably have been spending more time, uh, less time commuting and more time uh, paying attention to the house, things that need to get done uh, around the house, uh, noticing things that need to be taken care of and cleaned up and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I've probably integrated more kind of home care related things. Yeah. Um, I, I also have noticed that I there are things I I never knew I did didn't do well so I don't do well in my opinion spending a lot of time on on Zoom yeah and I think you know whoever invented Zoom is very wealthy at this point um, and it's obviously a very important tool for so many people during this time but I don't necessarily think that. Um, yeah, I don't know that I like it that much. Um, I I find that I truly miss the chance to actually be with people, mm-hmm. and um, so yeah, yeah. But that's that's far afield from your question. I'll try to stick to the question. <laughs> no, thank you for sharing. I <laughs> yeah, I had, I had my last class on Friday, and so, yeah. I mean, I said this on the last podcast, but it was it was weird. It it was a weird juxtaposition of. I'm really happy to be done with Zoom, Zoom soon, but it was my last college class, which was really sad. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think there's been a lot of talk just in different communities that transferring to online can help improve efficiency, uh, like maybe with less time commuting, but there's something that we're definitely missing and that's face-to-face communication. Like that's, that's a reason we come, we come to Gonzaga, right? Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. how do you think overcoming this virus is going to affect Gonzaga in the fall? Maybe some positive takeaways. And what do you want to say to underclassmen returning? Hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, um, this is, yeah, this is good. So, um, here, what I would say first is um, I, I think that uh, moving to the online format, if you will, um, has um, 
done some things for us and in some ways to us that we never would have necessarily chosen and especially at the rate of speed that we were forced to move. So what it, what it did do is it demonstrated to a lot of people who had never had the experience of working in kind of a virtual environment that it can be done, that there are tools and that there are practices and approaches that, um, that people, you know, can avail themselves of. And, and uh, that doesn't mean that everybody necessarily likes it um, or that it does as good a job um, because I think there really are compromises and sacrifices. But, um, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Um, and so uh, I think that in, in some ways my hope is that this will actually bring another tool into the sort of arsenal of, of, of approaches that we can employ um, and, and that it can be used for good uh, in, even in modified ways as we move our way into kind of this next phase. So here, here's the fundamental problem that I see us trying to manage as we look at summer and fall. Um, the, the, the fact is that I think we all have to assume that we're not going to have a solution for this virus um, and for, for some time. And, and in fact, most of the thinking that I'm doing right now assumes that we're going to have to manage our way through next year with the presumption that there's no vaccine. So all next academic year. Some people will say 12 to 18 months, you know, but from what date? Um, so I think we're going to be with this for a while, and I think we're going to have to manage our way through it. And I think that what that means is that until there is a vaccine, there will remain the possibility of infection and susceptibility, particularly for vulnerable people. Mm -hmm. And in every community, you've got vulnerable people. So, you know, they may not to the, to the largest extent be students, but they may be. They also may be faculty or staff. So I think we may find ourselves needing to rely upon these tools uh, to some degree for some time to come. And I, I would just say that I think um, we, if, we, if we can create, uh, if you will, a matrix for ourselves that allows for a lot of flexibility and creativity while kind of acting within certain limits, then it expands the range of possibilities for how we respond to this. Um, so I see technology and technology-enabled learning as, as a component. And the truth is, is that Gonzaga has actually been involved with delivery of education by a distance for many years. Um, we have a large number of graduate students who basically are exclusively online. And they report very high levels of satisfaction because we have faculty who have done great work in preparing for online courses and their delivery of online curriculum works well for the student that is, um, you know, studying in that course. I think the difference is, you know, they, they didn't find themselves upended right in the middle of their course and sort of learning and teaching through a crisis the way that yeah. we all experienced this spring. So um, here's my hope. My hope is that uh, enough people will want to have the experience of living in community um, and and participating in activities and and clubs and organizations and social life and all the kinds of things that I think 
Gonzaga is known for and that people love, but be willing to accept that there's going to be some degrees of modification to that, particularly on the front end. And um, as we all kind of come together and form community, that part of what we're managing, if you will, is the incidence of disease. And, and that, that, you know, is just a reality that we're going to have to kind of cope through for some time. Yeah. But, it, it, you know, I thought about this a lot from this angle, too. Um, you know, we're, we, <laughs> we, we are kind of a, we're kind of a hot mess as a community. If you, if you go back in your, in your memory to when you first came to TU, I don't know where you lived, mm -hmm. but you were probably living on campus. You might have lived in a large hall. Yes, um, yeah. yeah. So, so if, if, if you recall, and if that year was at all typical, about four, four to five weeks in, all of a sudden everybody started getting colds and, and they started coming down with stuff. Yeah. And, and that's because they were actually relaxing the degree to which they, you know, had brought a greater degree of formality on the front end about managing their own space. So people were getting more and more comfortable with one another and they actually like eating off of each other's plates and doing stuff that they're big no-nos for communicable diseases. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it's ordinarily the case that we find ourselves as a community managing communicable disease. And that's why we've decided to have a health center and a staff to try to support our students through that. Um, Cause it's just part of like living. So this is what I call the stacking of disease because now I've got this virus, which um, can really severely impact vulnerable people. And that vulnerability can be created by say a respiratory flu. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to be very, you know, intentional as participants and just say, look, if we want to do this, we're probably going to have to be a little bit more, you know, rigid with one another about making sure we're trying to keep each other well. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's fundamentally a social experience. So, you know, the, the reality of disease and the reality of, of communicable diseases is, is very much part of, of, you know, residential college life. Um, so, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a large community effort. And it's yeah, I think so. Yeah. And it won't be easy because people are inherently, um, they, they, they inherently reflect behavior, especially over time, that um, can sometimes run directly counter. Mm -hmm. But my, my hope is that as we move through the year and through time, more and more tools will become available and more and more um, sort of antidotes, if you will. And, and generally speaking, I'm grateful that the disease appears still to uh, favor those who are younger and stronger in terms of resilience. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll, we'll just, yeah, we just have to be eyes wide open and very clear about expectations and, and try to do our best to help one another. Definitely. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. So the next question, I reached out to a friend of mine and she talked to her whole house and a lot of them agreed that every time they see you, they're really impressed with your haircut. So <laughs> what? <laughs> so <laughs> where do you where do you get your haircut? 
<laughs> I get my hair cut at Weldon Barber on the South Hill. Nice. And um, generally, I I I I go to the same individual because they know how I like my hair cut. But uh -huh. um, that's so funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I. I haven't been able to get my hair cut for a while either. Yeah. So I was even thinking that on my next video, mm -hmm. I would, I would get a wig on Amazon. That's just my color hair, but long, you know, <laughs> sort of like, you know, back in the sixties, Yeah, that would... <laughs> put a bandana around it, you know, and just say, hey, you know, yeah. this is my new look. I fully support that. I, fully uh... support that. <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of COVID hairstyles mm -hmm. coming out of this. There's going to be a, there's going to be a lot of cultural effects of the virus and of, of not being able to, to do certain things. Yeah, definitely. But I refuse to put a bowl on my head. So good. Good. <laughs> That's um, funny. Yeah, yeah. So what is the best Zag costume that you have seen at basketball games? Oh, wow. That's a tough one because there's a lot of very good ones, very creative yeah, maybe not. Um, you don't. Maybe you don't have to pick one, but multiple. Yeah, you know, I've noticed that there's a very um, stars and stripes oriented theme that kind of moves through that community, which is which is very interesting. You know, taking advantage of of both Gonzaga's sort of tones and also the the national uh -huh. <laughs> the national uh -huh. colors. Always like seeing the bananas. Those are yeah. Those are uh, those are cool. Yeah, um, I, I, I have noticed that periodically this not consistent, but periodically the, the Pope shows up, mm. um, which is pretty elegant costume, you know, mm -hmm. it's a little bit of work there. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I'm always really impressed at the spirit that, that people bring, you know, all the paint and yeah, it, yeah. it's just amazing wigs and everything. Pretty yeah. cool. I like the variety. Yeah, me too. Thank you. Okay, now we're gonna now we're gonna go back in time to your time as a Gonzaga undergraduate. If that's okay. Yeah. Can, can you think of you know I mean we were all introduced to Gonzaga to remember our Zag moments and that ha that term has been constantly repeated to us throughout our time here. Can you think of one of your Zag moments as an undergraduate? Wow. Well, you know, I, I probably honestly have a lot of Zag moments. Um, I think that most of them, not all of them, but most of them are, um, you know, are, are, are experiences I had in relationship with other people. So, for example, when I, um, when I came to Gonzaga, which was in the mid-80s, uh, there were still a significant number of Jesuit priests who were living in the residence halls. And I actually lived my first year in Dooley Hall. And there were not one but two priests who lived at Dooley. Um, one who's still around, Father Steve Cooter, and another who, who went on to, uh, to heaven in the mid-2000s. Um, his name was Tony Lehman. And uh, Father Steve Cooter was a religious studies faculty member. I knew him as well through class. But uh, every Monday night, 
they got together and hosted a, a get together with uh, students from the hall. And it was a really cool opportunity, particularly for somebody who was new to the community to just hear stories and to kind of have a chance to be introduced to other people in that kind of an environment because it wasn't like super religious or anything, but it was very clear that this idea of living in community with one another was a powerful um, sort of signature, if you will, of the experience and that they wanted to encourage that. So people were encouraged to bring their own beverage and just hang out and, and uh, these, these um, you know, these guys would tell a lot of stories and they had a lot of stories that they could share. Um, I think a lot of my experiences too were with, you know, working in GSBA. Um, I, I uh, had the opportunity to um, meet some really cool people and work on some very, you know, good projects at that time. And, and also um, I had very powerful and significant experience of, of working out at Bozarth on retreats. Um, nice. those for me were important because, uh, I, I felt that the retreat program was a very open and inclusive one. So you didn't have to be Catholic or any particular religion at all, but they were powerful opportunities to really come to know people and retreat experiences often open people up in terms of their vulnerabilities. And, and in that context, um, there's always the opportunity or potential for um, for pain and, and for hurt, but there's also opportunity to kind of place yourself in, in sort of trusting hands of other people. And a, a lot of that happened and those became the kind of uh, core of some very important relationships, um, both at that time and, and from that time throughout my life. So I think like a lot of Zags, um, we 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 probably all can if we've had that kind of powerful experience we can all relate to opportunities like that where we kind of forged bonds with other people who have become significant and and i would say further i, I i've been amazed because i think that people's um, tendency to form those bonds and their desire to try to be um, good friends and and lifelong friends has actually grown stronger over the years maybe social media has sort of helped that but I am amazed at how years later I'll go to a wedding of a Zag or two Zags who met at GU and, and their whole wedding party, everybody Zags, you know, yeah. it's, um, it's super cool. And usually they're very large parties <laughs> as well. I, I may even have a, no, I don't, not in here, but I, I have pictures of wedding parties and stuff where, you, you know, I could pick out all these people. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. That's anyway, cool. that's those are a few. How about yours? Do I get to ask you any questions? Yeah, you can ask me questions. <laughs> Do you have a zag moment? Ooh. Yeah, I mean, like you, I have, I have a lot of zag moments, and I'll answer. But I, I'll answer after I say this. But it's cool. Like your zag moments, those sound really special. And I assume Gonzaga has changed drastically since you were an undergraduate. But what's really cool is that those still ring true today. Like the the influences of retreats for zags um, just there are yeah. lots of, a lot of similar similarities there um yeah let me think uh last last um 
right before winter break, this is this is a recent one, but right before winter break last semester, my friend Michael and I we went in and we played, we played Christmas carols in the in the cog. We brought in a guitar and a plug-in piano, and huh. we got the whole the whole cog to sing along right before oh, wow. right before winter break. And I mean the cog is just the cog is such a unique and special place. Like mm. you know, freshman year you go there. Like I, I went there three times a day with my friends, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So you spend hours there, right? And you can even like go on dates there. It's you know, it's just it's it's a it's a room to host so many different activities, but it all is it all revolves around eating or like throwing the apple up in the air, you know, with the forks. Like <laughs> it's just there's such a variety of experiences in the cog. So I think the cog has has held many of my zag moments, but that was one of them. Well, you know, that's really cool to hear because so when I was at Gonzaga as a student, uh, we had a whole building that was called the COG. Mm -hmm. And the building's primary focus was dining. Um, mo most of the real estate, if you will, was on the main level was dining. And um, when when we took down that building which was probably constructed in the mid 50s um it had it had been the sort of home for a lot of different activities it was certainly dining but it was also dances and stuff like that and there were a lot of people who were kind of sad you know that we were taking this iconic building down to make way for what is the hemmingson center but it was such a powerful part of people's experience that we really wanted to rededicate the main dining area and and kind of dedicate it to that to the memory of that and even in its architecture there are some similarities to the old cog and so i'm i'm glad to know that it remains um in its sort of reimagined instance from people who you know remember the old one a significant place because um, in a sense that makes me feel like we accomplished the hope that we had which is we knew we couldn't continue with this old building it was falling down mm -hmm. but we wanted to preserve the special sort of nature of what it was there to do and what it was there for so I'm I'm super happy and I'm happy that you that you got everybody singing too that's a very cool thing yeah it's a fun thing I'm I mean, I get nervous live performing, but my my roommate definitely encouraged encouraged <laughs> me to do it, and it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. And and you know what? Things things have changed, but not as much as maybe people might think, because we we're bigger, but not that much bigger. Um, and many of the facilities that I remember are the same. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe when you go back like into the '40s and People are like, oh my gosh, you know, this is not the same place. I agree with that. Yeah. But but I think I think Zags of a contemporary period, you know, the last 30, 40 years, they come back, they're very impressed, but but they do remember and they see, you know, that the the bones are very much the same. And and what I'm most happy about of all is that the 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 most significant hallmark of Gonzaga University in my in my opinion, is the nature and character of the students because students 
genuinely care about one another. Mm -hmm. And that is not the case everywhere. It just is not the case. They, they, people care about one another, but they don't have that sense of shared community that is so powerfully a hallmark of the Gonzaga experience. It, it's just a very special thing. And um, that's because you, you and your compatriots, you bring that and you maintain it and you foster it. Um, so that is, that is the thing that I think is most powerfully at the core of, of what is good about Gonzaga. Mm -hmm. I agree. That's why I came here. Cause I saw that. Yeah. Um, so this next question, it actually came from one of my professors, uh Oh, but they're going to remain unnamed, <laughs> but they know, they know that you were an art an RD at, when you're an undergrad, right? Yes, I was an RA and an RD. Okay, so during your time with both of those, and mm -hmm. depending on how you want to look at it, what was the worst or the best, depending on how you want to look at it, the write-up that you gave to someone? <laughs> well, I mean, um, <laughs> so I was both years I was on residence hall staff. I was an undergraduate student and I was, you know, this was, this was at a time when there were, on the one hand, there were fewer students on campus because there were fewer students, period. But I was both years in Catherine Monica, which was at that time and remains the largest uh, of, the, of the sort of double loaded corridor residence halls on campus. Yeah. I mean, we have Kennedy, but that's a little different um, mm -hmm. of an experience. Uh, so, I mean, the truth is, is that there was a lot of partying that went on. And, and at that time, the state of Washington prohibited the use of marijuana. Mm -hmm. um, but marijuana was certainly um, not an unknown substance. Um, but, but truthfully, the worst things that, that happened were not offenses um, yeah. in the strictest sense. You know, they were not... Like I didn't bust people for things and, and those are not, I mean, I did, I did, but those are not the things that, that rank up there. Yeah. I mean, we had, a, we had a lot of fun. I, to this day, um, maintain a friendship with one of my residents from my days as an RA. And, uh, you know, I was in his wedding and um, he subsequently has had three kids at GU. And wow. um, all of them have lived in Catherine Monica. So um, I guess, I guess, you know, what I would say is, is that um, the most difficult are always where somebody experiences a loss and um, uh, you know, the, the, it, it doesn't happen all that frequently, but it regularly occurs that somebody loses, you know, a member of their family. Mm -hmm. Um and and uh, you know that 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 resonates for me to this day. The worst day of of my time is the day that I learn one of our students has died, mm -hmm. because it can be from illness and it can be from an accident. It could be you know a car accident or whatever. But but it, you know there's nothing that we can do. Um, and in most circumstances, even when somebody gets in really serious trouble, 
we can usually do something. Um, mm -hmm. So there's this you know, deep sense of loss and and sadness, and um, those are hard, hard, you know, times. But um, I think I think that um, like so many other situations, sometimes when people get in trouble, it, it can be kind of a call for help. It can be in its own way, a way of signaling that you know they're having a difficult time coping. So I always kind of looked at incidents as invitations to, to go deeper. Sometimes it's just somebody's having fun and they get a little out of control. Yeah. But there are times when there are times when people will, you know, be abusing substance or something and you're kind of like, you know, is there more going on here? You know, and I don't know, I to the extent that I could be helpful to somebody saying, you know, should we kind of take a step back and figure out what's going on? And and it resulted in their ability to, to look at, at this through kind of a critical lens and maybe make some changes. I think that was good. Um, but I don't know, you know, it's a long time ago now. Mm -hmm. I had this, I went to this alumni event a few years ago and this woman came up to me and she was crying. Yeah. And um, I said, what's wrong? You know, I mean, I was genuinely like, she's crying. And she said, Oh my gosh, she said, I've been back in the in the corner. I've been wondering whether or not I should I should come talk to you. And I said, Well, is there something I can do? <laughs> it was generally not typical behavior for an alumni event. But she said, I just want to let you know how sorry I am for what I did. And um I said, I said, please don't worry. It's 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 okay. She said, No, I was a terrible resident. And I, you know, I was in trouble all the time and, and you had to, you know, you had to write me up so many times and all this kind of stuff. And, and to be honest with you, I didn't remember at all, yeah. any of it. And so she's carrying this around, you know, uh -huh. she sees me and she, and I, and it's like, I take her back 25 years or something. <laughs> but anyway, um, my residence hall staff experience was very important mm -hmm. and it was very formative for me. And it was also something that I think grounded me in the realities of college and college life. So as a university president, um, I, I, I kind of, I probably approached the job differently because there's very little that surprises me, um, you know, and I think a lot of university presidents, they come up through academic ranks as opposed to, you know, like student life and, and all of that and so so they um they tend to look at student behavior from a very theoretical perspective and i think about the experiences i've had um and and so you know when people want to talk about sometimes very um intimate very challenging you know things it's like well but that's life i mean that's just part of being alive and human so i i don't i don't get all freaked out about it yeah. Um, and I hope that in some way that helps to inform the work I do and the work we do so that people feel like they are being supported in ways that are meaningful and that, and that people aren't just pretending that real stuff doesn't happen. Um, mm -hmm. But anyway, you guys are the best judge of that. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Um, Interesting question. Yeah, yeah.
good good answers good answers so thanks for thanks for traveling back in time with me to your time as undergrad <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's far less interesting no it's fun than you think it's fun <laughs> now we, we can come back to the present okay good uh what strategies are you currently using to maintain a connection slash stay in touch with different communities on campus? Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, it, it, it has been challenging. Um, so, you know, here I find myself depending a lot on my colleagues because, um, you know, we do have things organized in kind of a tree. You know, some people would call it a hierarchy, but um, hierarchy automatically sounds officious. Um, you know, my job is to support the work of, of a, a number of colleagues who in turn, I, I hope and, and see are doing the same. So um, I'm actually spending a lot of time on the phone and a lot of time emailing and a lot of time on Zoom mm -hmm. with colleagues trying to um, ascertain what it is that's going on uh, where we have things that need to be addressed and how we're going to address them. Um, for example, just before this call, I was on the phone with our vice president for administration, Jim Angelasante, who in turn is responsible, among other things, for the plant services area. And during this time where, where we've been closed and, and a, a number of our personnel who ordinarily would be on campus cleaning and 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 doing the work of of taking care of our facilities are are obligated to remain at home. We have been, um, notwithstanding that, we have been supporting our employees by um, continuing to have them on the payroll and report their time uh, as as you know paid paid but time off. Uh, and, and part of that is because we recognize that there is a tremendous uh, economic um, issue that's dominating the, the scene, and many of our many of our colleagues are very worried. They're worried about whether or not they're going to lose their jobs. They're worried about whether the university is going to be able to support them, mm -hmm. and they worry about not just pay but benefits and all of that stuff. So. Um, We've been working actively to try to figure out how how do we um, straddle the line between, on the one hand, supporting the stay at home and decreasing the transmission of the virus, cell at the same time making sure we're appropriately taking care of the facilities and making sure that things are not getting broken into and all these kinds of things that happen when, after a sustained period, you know, people recognize that a lot of people are not there. Um, so uh, the, the answer in, in part is directly and in part indirectly. Um, mm -hmm. I, I've thought a lot about um, how, to, how to be present. I've done a number of town halls, for example, with alumni. Um, we've had virtual board meetings now with the trustees. Um, I care most about and, and have been trying in various ways to be in contact with various parts of the student community. Mm -hmm. It's but it's very difficult when we're not all together to feel like you're even getting, you know, being able to touch people. So for example, um I I said early on, I want I want every one of our graduating seniors to get a little care package 
mm-hmm. just to let them know that we're we're here and we're thinking of them and and this sucks and we want to try to figure out a way not to cancel but postpone the opportunity to hopefully come together and celebrate and keep keep people kind of excited about their identity as graduating seniors. Um, And so uh, we've just been trying in various ways to think of ways of being in touch, even though it's, it's sometimes practically very challenging and um, hopefully, you know, one way or the other uh, people have continued to see that. I, I think emails, letting people know periodically, what we're thinking, where we're going, what we're trying to do is, is hopefully helpful. Um, but, you know, it's poor substitute in my view for, you know, being together. And, and yet, you know, my hope again is, is that people know that at the end of the day, our whole purpose for doing this work is to support you and, and to support your success. And, and so um, it, hopefully in some small, meaningful way, you, you, um, you've seen some evidence of that. Mm-hmm. I have. I really have. And the chocolate in the care package was delicious. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, we were going to do cog cookies, but we were worried because um, we know people have allergies. Mm-hmm. And we were also worried that they would get hard and stale and 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 that people might worry about who had been touching them. Yeah. So going with the professional candy maker here in town to do something that was special, but not maybe um, would, would probably be perceived as perhaps a little bit more um, sanitary, whether it is or not, you know, is, is of course a matter of judgment was our hope, but you know, you're constantly thinking about these things. Um, So. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. It's, it's, yeah, it's just really, this is so hard, you know, connecting with everyone. It's really difficult. Well, and, and, and what, you know, when you and I first talked about this podcast, I, I remember um, I had mentioned to you uh, that I think it's very important for us to honor and to recognize the, the difficulty of this time and to, and to be okay uh, mourning and grieving because those to me are very appropriate responses to the current situation yeah there's been there's been a lot that's been taken away and um it, it's been taken away one of the most maddening things has been taken away in you know in the face of something that for many people is quite invisible mm-hmm. and therefore very difficult to to grapple with you know um you know there have been there have been metaphors that have been invoked during this time right the common enemy like we were back in world war ii or something like that the problem is is that as one of our former history professors was mentioning to 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 me um you know in world war ii you you could see the enemy you knew you knew the what the where they were or at least to a general degree you knew what you were up against here you've got this insidious you know, um, visible only under an electron microscope kind of thing. And, and it isn't affecting everyone the same way. And it isn't even affecting different populations regionally the same way. So it's a very frustrating situation. And, and then to kind of have these opportunities, which are so characteristic of transition from, 
the experience of college to the next stage um, sort of really denied you and your and your classmates and and of course this is the common experience across the country is is very frustrating and and so um, I think it's important to just recognize that that that's all real and fair and at the same time I think and it doesn't deny the first reality at all it, it is still as well and important that you remember why you decided to come to Gonzaga in the first place. And um, for me, for us, but I hope for you as well, it really is with the recognition that Gonzaga was intended to be a place that you spent a period of time investing in yourself and investing in the opportunities uh, that, that could be found. But all of that was in service to what is going to happen next. And, yeah. and as we had discussed, you know, I, I, I remembered this great commencement speech by Father Greg Boyle, who is well known to a lot of Zags, you know, um, a Jesuit who's been working down in LA for years now with gang members. And, and he came and he spoke to the class then and he said, you know, this was never the place that you were coming to. It was always the place you were going away from. Mm -hmm. And it may not be the way that any of us wanted this to conclude. In fact, it is not the way we wanted it to conclude, but the inevitability of it um, was always there. And so I think it's important to, um, to use this moment to say, we're not gonna let go of the best of what we experienced, which in many respects is the people we experienced it with. And um, we're not gonna let go of all the great things that suddenly got upended only in the last seven weeks of our time, because there's, you know, upwards of four years before that, that, that we can look back on and say, look at what we were a part of. I remember your first year, we went to the national tournament mm -hmm. and Jimmy Kimmel was making fun of us. And uh, I was, I'm serious about this. I was going to see if I could get Jimmy Kimmel to, um, do a little reprise and yeah. uh, send a message to you guys and finally admit that he understands that Gonzaga exists. <laughs> uh, but you know, um, the truth is, is that you guys were part of some very unique moments in Gonzaga history. Uh, and so I hope that you will use this opportunity to say, we're not letting this very dispiriting moment define, you know, the entirety of our experience. We're, we're, we're going to use it. We're going to integrate it. We're never going to forget it, but we're also going to reclaim for ourselves the identity that we, we had going into this and we're going to be stronger people for it. And we're going to, we're going to be capable of, of taking from this some things that we can teach society and we can teach organizations and we can teach our families. Mm -hmm. um, and there'll be these years, years from now, you're going to be like, yeah, I remember back in 2020. And he'll be telling stories like I tell my kids about when I was growing up, how I, how I walked, you know, both ways uphill in the snow with my, you know, tennis shoes to school four miles and 
how I carried a baked potato in my hand to keep my hands warm. And then I eat that for lunch, you know, and they roll their eyes. But the point is, is that you're going to be able to take away from this experience as survivors and successors of it, something that will uh, convert itself into something you can teach other people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I just always want to continue to say both are true and they, they can be reconciled with one another. It is sad and it is also important to frame it in the most powerful way you can because Gonzaga has always been about helping people to transform the way they think about mm-hmm. the world around them and the problems that they're trying to grapple with. And so if, if, if the only thing left is the sadness, then, um, and I feel like, uh, you know, that would, that would truly be unfortunate. So mm-hmm. um, we're still going to try to work hard at figuring out ways of helping to reclaim at least a little bit of it. But, um, but I, I'm proud of you guys. And I'm, I'm sorry that it turned out this way for this spring. But for me, you're always going to be zag. So mm-hmm. we just got to keep our, keep our eye on the, on the long game as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Thane. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, I think for me at least, I saw this debut at in Vegas. But mini zags are wondering what the history of your kilt is. Mm. Yes. So the history of the kilt is very much rooted in the student experience because Professor Laraz of the School of Business, the marketing department and a group of students were challenged some years ago to design a kilt or to design a tartan pattern. Uh, and they, they did so. The idea was that eventually they would market a set of products using the tartan that was developed. And so um, they, they did, and they actually um, went about it in a way that allowed a lot of students to participate in the design and the selection of the final pattern. Uh, and so honestly, in the spirit of trying to support the, the effort, and given the fact that I am of Scottish heritage, uh-huh. uh, because my, my, the, we have traced the first of my forebears to come to the US, to Scotland, who came over in 1750. Wow. And, um, I, I thought it would be a kind of a, a great fusion. So I, I was gifted the opportunity to have this um, kilt. And it was uh, the case that the tartan is officially registered in Scotland. So you have to have permission to, to actually use the tartan uh, under the Scottish authority to have it woven. Um, it's a very elaborate process um, because wow. as you can imagine, it's a unique tartan. So there aren't a lot of clans that are looking for this particular tartan. It's yeah. pretty unique, but uh, it was really just in the spirit of, of kind of supporting that, that group's efforts and, um, and of uh, doing something a little different. Uh, hopefully you don't see too many of our competitor institution presidents running around with the kilt. No, you know, I don't. It is fantastic. You got to make a fashion statement, you know, when you have yeah. the opportunity. Yeah. But that's the Gonzaga Tartan. Uh, it's you can look it up, and um, and so yeah, it's uh, it's just something a very 
very rarely it's, kilts are hard to wear so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it takes I, a lot of work to put one on yeah <laughs> no I, I think that's why so many gonzaga students were curious is because it is such a it is such a fabulous fashion statement oh with, <laughs> yeah with a with a great with a great history so thanks for sharing well you bet yeah so it's it, i'm proud of proud to wear it yeah yeah so last time we last week when we talked on the phone you were you were discussing the class that you kind of want to start and it has to do with your psychology background and it yeah. that that really intrigued me and i just want i just kind of want the gonzaga student body to know about it just to get kind of excited mm. about it and just to know that it's in the works so if you could kind of kind of tell everyone what you told me well sure no i i am um, i i i think where this begins is with a recognition that that college students today and i would say particularly students of the caliber who come to Gonzaga are high performing individuals. They're people who have worked hard and, and they've been driven to succeed and they have often been exposed to pretty challenging academic environments um, and hopefully been the beneficiaries of, of great teaching and, and maybe even opportunities to, to do really special and cool things. So um, one of the not so positive uh, sort of uh, byproducts, if you will, or or elements of that can be, and we notice we notice at GU that a lot of students are pretty um, stressed out. Um, there's a high high degrees of anxiety, and maybe high degrees of anxiety about a lot of things, you know. But mm-hmm. but particularly, people come and they're really anxious about what this is going to be like and and how to be successful, and and certainly some of our faculty uh, are, are, they tend to have pretty high standards and they tend to, to demand a lot. And it's a, just a very different experience, but it can get harder over time as well as people are asked to do more and more, more complex work and so forth. So all of that stress I think is real. And there's a, a, a faculty member at Yale University who is a, a cognitive psychologist who developed a course there with with a view towards how it is that psychology rooted in science and making uh, <clears throat> accessible some of the tools and techniques that psychologists have developed out of their learning about human behavior can be brought to bear so that students can uh, learn uh, various techniques and approaches and, and strategies for um, actually living and experiencing college in a happier way, you know, in a more positive, constructive, less stressful manner. And so I, I thought, you know, I actually, this is something I'd actually like to do. I'd, I'd actually like to work together with some colleagues um, and, and uh, create a, a, a similar type of experience for our students part of this very selfishly is also rooted in my own desire which i always loved when i had the opportunity which i did for a number of years to teach in psychology to personally have a chance to be you know in contact with students and to understand directly what their experience is like and what they're you know coping through and all those kinds of things but more 
to see if there's anything I can do to be part of of helping people to have a, a more um, positive and and less stressful, more constructive experience. I, I don't I don't think it's possible to avoid working hard. I think if you want to get the most out of your education, you're going to have to invest in it. It's going to be hard work. Yeah. But but there may be ways of modulating that that um, could be very helpful for people because I worry that sometimes people take out their stress on each other. Um, I, I worry that sometimes this is where some people may turn to, you know, alcohol, you know, as a stress reliever and, you know, all of that makes sense, but, you know, in moderation, right? Because there are consequences to, to each of those kinds of responses too. So um, yeah. And, and, and I guess my, my interest was with, in our conversation was with whether or not you thought, that was something that would resonate that students would want or that they, you know, take advantage of or whether that was just, you know, kind of an interesting idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I've been reaching out to people and asking and I, but I do, I do really want to, I, I want to have a mass kind of asking as many people as possible because that yeah. resonates with me. And I know that at Yale, that has been one of the, the most popular courses to be signed yeah. up for. And I think that yeah, would, there would be a similar similar trend at Gonzaga too, just because, I mean, who doesn't want to be happier, right? <laughs> well, and and some of the same strategies that that allow people to be happy in a collegiate environment would be would be similarly constructive in in the other environment. So, mm -hmm. you know, one of the challenges that you have coming away from Gonzaga is you're going to be negotiating and navigating the sort of great world out there and that world it has its own issues and challenges right so um what kind of a life do you want to live and and what are your goals and aspirations for yourself uh and and how do you set the the context and the stage for um achieving that for yourself those are those are the great challenges and questions that that are before you. So, uh, I would like to think that some of the things that psychology really has learned from that world can be brought forward into the collegiate environment and better prepare people as well for what's coming next. Mm -hmm. um, because no one knows what that is, um, yeah. but I think certain people are better better prepared if they've been given opportunities to sort of um, practice and and to think about those things. Most definitely, most definitely. Thank you. Yeah. And last question, and you have already, you have already given many words of wisdom on this podcast, but us seniors, we're leaving soon. So what advice would you give us? Yeah. Um, I think that, um, uh, I think that there's lots of things that I that I think about when I think about advice, if you will. Um, but I guess one of the one of the main things I would say is um, try in 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 your effort to determine where you want to spend your time to do the kinds of things that are fulfilling for you and that make you happy. Um, there are a lot of people who 
they sacrifice their own happiness. They subjugate that for other objectives or goals that they might have for themselves. Maybe they're looking for, you know, wealth or they're looking for success. Um, you know, your ability to do well and to live well uh, is, is somewhat tied up with the kinds of things that make you satisfied and, and that feel um, rewarding to you as a human being, as a person. Um, if you can find something, you know, professionally in, in your work, in your life that, that you, that really satisfies you and fulfills you, you will do well in it. Um, and you will, you will want to do more of it and, and do better at it, um, because it is fulfilling. I'm, I met a Gonzaga grad, probably class of 80, something like that. So some years back who, who is a surgeon in New York. Um, he is a orthopedic surgeon and, um, I have rarely met individuals like this one who are so obviously um, articulate and happy uh, in, in describing his own level of happiness when he is in the place where he is able to do this work. And he, he, he was so passionate about the love that he has for surgery and for being in the operating room environment. It was, it was an amazing articulation. Um, and, and interestingly, a guy whose name you, you've said a number of times, who I knew and has passed on now, named Don Herrick um, of the Herrick School of Engineering. He graduated from Gonzaga back in the 50s and. Uh, his whole life was concrete. He built things with concrete, um, highways and, and, and airways and, uh, you know, air airport tarmacs and, and all kinds of surfaces that, and structures that involve concrete. You, you have never met, you would never have met a man more passionate about concrete than Don Herrick. He, he was, it was, it's beyond description. Um, wow. These people, these people found something to be passionate about, and they found something that they that they love, um, and both were very very successful, uh, and and that passion and that love wasn't the only element, but it is I think a rare thing and yet a super important thing to continue to find those things that that really make you fulfilled, um, and so I would say to any senior graduating, don't give up. Uh, don't settle for, even if it takes time, even if it, 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 even if there's a long journey, don't settle for things that, um, that are, that are beneath you, uh, that are not fulfilling for you. If you can continue to strive to aspire to the things that are going to bring you fulfillment, because, um, your happiness will be a gift to all kinds of people around you, the people you're working with, the people that you love, the people you're in relationship with, the people, you know, who you, you, you are part of bringing into the world. And that, that is a gift. That is something that is to be treasured.
So that's a long-winded response to your short question. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, and that concludes this episode. Thank you so much for joining us once again on Inside Voices and taking your time just to just to talk with a senior who's graduating soon who really wanted to ask you some questions. Wow. So, well, I look forward to uh, to seeing as many people as possible in the months to come. Yeah, and it's a privilege to have you make this request. So I hope that um, I hope that your semester wraps up well. And, uh, you know, um, you're, you're creating an opportunity for people to have a shared common experience, which is a real gift in and of itself. So thank you. Thanks, Dane. Thank you. Yeah.